Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharman, Patrick Mooney, the newsbreakers. Sahadev Sharman, Patrick Mooney. But I but I feel like, you know, introducing you as the newsbreakers has like a, a positive energy to it. And I don't know that everybody's going to have a positive energy listening to it. So it's almost like I got to apologize for you guys. Be like, these are the newsbreakers, but they broke news that made a lot of you listeners sad this week. Uh, obviously, I refer to the U Darvish and Victor Caratini trade. Uh, now official, we're yeah, recording this post Jed Hoyer uh, press conference. So we're kind of already into the post uh, trade deconstruction zone. But I do think that obviously it's such a consequential move for the organization. I think it was so, you know, I find the the meta of this stuff happening very interesting. And so I kind of wanted to start there with you guys because I think the listeners would be interested in, uh, you don't have to get into the, the gory details of like how you source and break a story like this. But I do think it's interesting to get into what it was like for you guys earlier this week as it's developing and you sort of get wind of what's happening and you need to figure out, okay, how are we going to cover this? How are we going to put it out there? And obviously Dennis Lynn out in San Diego is also uh, working on it with you guys. Um, so yeah, just, just get into that a little bit because I think people are interested. I, I mean, I'd say that first of all, uh, Dennis wasn't a small part of this. Dennis, I, I don't think we get this done without all three of us working together. Uh, and that's—I uh, mean, not to not to pump up the athletic or anything, but that's that's the benefit I think of working at the athletic. We have all these beat writers who are well sourced and and want to collaborate and and are great communicators, and and we were able to put that together. I think I don't even know when it, it's been longer than a couple days that we've been on the trail of this, but it, I and I cannot remember who first got us on the trail. I, I know it wasn't me; it was either Patrick or Dennis who first brought it up, and then we we were all like, "Wait, I'm hearing something too." Wait here's what I heard. Uh, this is real. We got to keep tracking this down. And then you hit a wall. And I think uh, my message after the Blake Snell uh, trade went down was, okay, I guess Patrick and I are done here. Dennis, you, you go do your job. And then the next morning I woke up to a text and I immediately messaged Patrick and Dennis and said, I, I don't think we're done here. Uh, I don't know exactly what's going on, but we need to keep digging. And And that's, difficult in the sense that we I think we were kind of we knew something was happening and and we were very confident that a deal was going down we couldn't get the names at that point in time uh, it was really hard to get the names I, I think a lot of people kind of had an idea of Davies uh, we just couldn't get anything concrete beyond that and and didn't feel comfortable going forward until we did eventually obviously but that that process is very it, it can feel very defeating for at points because it's like oh we got this far and and we have, we've had a lot of it first but we don't have the names and that's going to be annoying when someone else gets that and and we i guess we eventually ended up getting it but it's it's just a long process and it's a and a, a, i i have fun doing it and on one side and another side it's just like oh man i remember when i sent the tweet because i think dennis sent the tweet initially that they were deep in talks or however we phrased it uh but we we talked about okay how, how do we want to send the tweet with a package of, of the names and then i sent it out and patrick's like wait do we want to couch it a little bit and i was like oh oh no and you get that like rush <laughs> of feeling like oh no did i make a mistake and and, and 
uh, luckily, I think Dennis's point was like, well, it looks like enough people have it that if we're wrong, everyone's wrong. So don't feel too bad. Uh, but yeah, th there's a there's a stressful element to it. But there's also that kind of rush element of chasing down something that you believe is real. Yeah, I think without getting into too many specifics, like I heard something on December 23rd that a Padres person was communicating as if uh, they had a agreement in principle for a pitcher from a Chicago team. And then as we, and I couched it when I sent the Slack message in all caps, I'm like, this might be total bullshit, but like, let's have this on our radar. And then as, during the course of Sahadev's reporting, you know, he found out like they'd been talking about names for like a month so it gives you an idea, particularly when you're dealing with someone like A.J. Preller uh, and someone like Jed, who's obviously got a ton of things going on and under an enormous amount of pressure, like all these guys are, like the itinerations of this, like all the variables uh, within this. And then as we step back, you know, I haven't confirmed this 100%, but I'd imagine Jed was close to working with something like a one team market here. Like it was probably, I don't know if it was Padres or no one else, but if Darvish has a 12 team, no trade list and like a third of baseball is always tanking at any given point. And if everyone is claiming biblical losses and, you know, billions in revenue out the window, uh, there weren't many places where Darvish could go. There aren't many executives or front offices that are willing to kind of stick their necks out the way that, A.J. Preller has going for it over and over again. And I think as we step back, um, that part of it makes sense. Uh, we're going to have to see where the Cubs go from here before we put everything in proper context. I'm not talking about the teenage prospects, where they make it. I think what they do between now and the beginning of spring training, whenever that is, will be very revealing too. That's actually a perfect place to, to transition this because so obviously on mass – Cubs fan reaction to this trade and not just because you Darvish is wildly popular and was so very good in 2020, but because uh, the nature of reactivity to trades, especially sell side trades. If you're a team like the Cubs is going to be, you know, people think they know who the right return is. You know, everybody has the idea and they sort of can look at prospect lists and they know what the right return is. And they, you know, react very aggressively to that. And obviously um, it, it it was a very different return than people were expecting. Very, very young, far away prospects, high upside, high risk. Uh, and Zach Davies, not entirely a throw in. I think probably salary was a consideration there for the Padres, um, but it also supplements Cubs uh, rotation. And I think, you know, having listened to Jed's press conference today, I think, and I won't attribute this to him directly, but I, we can draw this conclusion uh, based on a lot of what Mooney just said and what Jed explained is uh, for as much as the Cubs genuinely do want to restock the farm system, get as much young talent as they could in a trade like this, because they were working with such a limited market to trade you Darvish, and he was one of the few big salary guys on the roster that they could trade, we can conclude with some measure of confidence that they basically had to trade him. And that is why you can now look at this return and say, well, you know, maybe it's not what you thought it 
the 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 style that it would be or the the near term impact but if that was really the best they could get the most total talent they could get in a market where that was about the only team they to which they could market you darvish and they had to trade you darvish because of the salary you know you, you add all of that stuff together and the return makes sense and it's like okay i can see actually the within that very narrow context i can see the value of that return that doesn't mean that fans have to be satisfied by it um but it does mean that unlike the immediate reactions to the trade where people are like oh it's a rebuild it's a five-year rebuild da, 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 da. i think all of this reinforces the idea that instead no this was kind of just like it was this trade it was just it was sort of this trade to get as much value as they could because of all the reasons we just discussed and it doesn't necessarily say anything about what is going to happen going forward in one direction or another for 2021 and especially for 2022 and beyond yeah, I, I mean, I, I can say that at first blush, when we, when Patrick, Dennis, and I first started talking about this, I thought uh, there was more value to be had than what they got back, right? Uh, but talking to people around the league, uh, I quickly realized, okay, uh, this is, I have to kind of reset expectations for what the return may be. Uh, obviously, I, I never really thought I never thought Gore or Abrams was possible. But, you know, you think about how deep that system is and how many of those names you really know about the Padres. It's like, OK, some of these guys may be involved. Who is it? Who could it be? What type of pitcher? So many pitching in this in this so many pitchers in this system have to be intriguing. Ultimately, uh, from what I've, I've gathered is, yeah, they probably, yeah, maybe they could have gotten a better prospect, but it would have been one guy putting all your eggs in one basket and saying, this is the prospect. And you'd, I mean, you'd have to love that guy uh, to do that. And you'd have to, and you'd have to realize that, I mean, the system is, the Cubs system is where it is uh, for a reason. And, and Jed clearly has a desire to kind of replenish the system and and getting this bulk of talent, I think uh, you know speaking to your timeline thought, I think when Jed talks about these these players, he's excited to have them in the system, and it's not just because in 2024 the Cubs are going to have a starting lineup featuring these four players. It's because their value is immediate right it's a there's there's value to those players uh once they start playing and once people start seeing uh, other talent evaluators are going out again and they're like wait this guy's developed in this fashion this guy's doing this Ooh, they, these guys maybe are top 100 prospects whoever however many of them may be so the the cubs timeline isn't these prospects timeline right hoyer was very clear in saying that their contention timeline is should be quicker that's what hoyer expects now, does that mean that these players will never see uh, the light of day in Chicago? No, but some of them may be used to speed that timeline up so that in 2022 or 2023, whenever they feel like they have the core of another competitive team that can win for an extended period of time, they can use those players uh, as, I mean, to try and get other players to supplement, whether it's whether it's as part of a Mookie Betts type deal like the Dodgers did, or 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 a or a young player like like Blake Snell who has multiple years left is in, and is on a and on a deal, you can make those types of trades now because you have a deeper system because you feel confident that you're not emptying out your system. Uh, that's the hope they want to get back to that point. 
they want to get back to a point where they were at in 2015, where you have the financial flexibility. No fan should ever cheer for financial flexibility. I don't want fans to think that I'm saying that you need to be happy that they have financial flexibility. It's just whoa, a- whoa, whoa, whoa. Financial flexibility hit 25 bombs last year. <laughs> don't let's, and it was a shortened yeah. season. So like, let's, let's so put some respect. I, I on, get why um, fans have no interest. I was it was it Heim Bloom that that talked about financial flexibility when trading Mookie Betts. I mean, come on, you no no fan wants to hear that when a star is moved. So I think it was smart for Jed not to like focus on the financial flexibility aspect. But those, the idea of having. Uh, a deep farm system and prospects that are near ready for the big leagues, which the Cubs don't really have right now and financial flexibility. Those two are the most desirable forms of currency in baseball. If you can manage to have those two things and keep them for an extended period of time, find that financial flexibility. I think that's huge. Another way to look at this deal. And again, nobody wants to hear this, but the Cubs didn't sell high on Kyle Schwarber. They didn't sell high on Chris Bryant. They didn't sell high on so many players. And how much hell do they get for that? They get so much criticism because they have not sold high. And now they're trying to move players that don't have value. That did non-tender Kyle Schwarber. Uh, this this doesn't this isn't going to appease fans. But when when front offices when execs sign huge deals. They see the back end of those deals as, in all likelihood, we're not going to get the value. You get the value in the front end of that deal. The back end of those deals, it's lost. So, the, I mean, there's three years remaining on this Darvish deal. Will he have a good season in 2021? I'd put my money on yes. Beyond that, he'd be an outlier. He would. He'd be Justin Verlander. And, I, you know, we talk about Justin Verlander in such, you know, uh, loving ways because he's the outlier. He's not the guy that... Guys don't, pitchers don't perform at a Cy Young caliber level at 36, 37 very often. That's rare. Darvish is a freak. He could very well be that guy, and that would be a hell of a trade then for the Padres. But it's he's selling high. Jed's selling high at a moment when he doesn't believe that one or two additions via free agency or smaller trades is going to be enough for this team to win a World Series in 2021 or 2022. There needs to be real moves made to try and get this roster and this organization back to where they need to be and kind of stay that way. And, and you know, the, the, the way to stay there were the changes that were made a year ago, right, with high performance, player development, and, and amateur scouting. So you make this move and all the changes from a year ago, whatever moves may be coming, the best case scenario right now for Cubs fans is to hope that they're back spending by t- next offseason. Maybe it's more realistic the offseason after that, but – they they're trying to find a path back to being the upper echelon organization in in baseball. Brad, I think you can speak to this, but I think the this trade struck such a nerve on Twitter. I think just because of this general fatigue with the Cubs. I mean, people you know read about the Cubs laying off more than a hundred employees, longtime people who brought a lot of you know real value and knowledge to the organization. I think people come to Wrigleyville and see all the changes and the huge investments there and wonder, you know, what exactly are the priorities, even if those are sound business ideas on paper. uh, There's, 
you know, launching a new TV network, even though no one could have foreseen all of the circumstances for this year, that didn't go over um, as they planned or um, kind of in, in a way that really made a, you know, a huge splash. And, you know, I think it's not like the Cubs, once fans are back in Wrigley, are going to come out and say, you know what, we're, since we're not going 100% after World Series this year, we're going to, you know, drop our ticket prices down to maybe like 78 or 73%. And that I think, you know, it's going to be really interesting. You don't, you can't make deals or personnel decisions off of these kind of optics or perceptions. But I really do wonder, like, whenever baseball starts next year and whenever things do get roaring again, like, how much are people going to care? Are they still going to care? Like, you know, fans are still going to go to Wrigley Field. It's an awesome place to see a game. But I just think this kind of, like, this enthusiasm gap or this kind of um, maybe not taking their audience for granted, but it is just kind of another gut punch for, you know, fans who waited more than a century for a World Series, who sat through some just flat-out years where they just wrote off the big league product and were like, we're not going to, um, you know, try to win at the big league level, you know, which made sense at the time. But I, I just think it's this accumulation, you know, really from, like, the moment they flew home from Cleveland and had the World Series parade. It's just been a lot for Cubs fans to absorb. So I totally understand why people look at this and be like, what's what's going on here? What are the Cubs doing? Well, and at a time when everybody is so fraught anyway, I think, you know, we can't discount that, that like everything, particularly when it's coming out of the one of the few things in your world, in your bubble that you're supposed to just enjoy. And when it's actually causing you pain, it sort of feels even worse. And and you're talking about um, an organization that for its competitiveness the last few years hasn't actually done anything major in a long time. And so for the first really major thing that happens is a trade that trades away a very popular player with a flavor of, of it being a salary dump and you get in return not really anything that you can sink your teeth into as a fan, all, all respect to Zach Davies. But I think that it it represents exactly like you said. It's sort of it, it is just a flashpoint for uh, so much of what we've been talking about for really going back years and then particularly in the, the pandemic era. And in a way, it's almost like it it ties into the timeline conversation that we're having right now i i think I, because i think you're not wrong at all mooney to to talk about yeah you don't let certain things dictate personnel decisions but the baseball operations does not operate in a bubble i mean there there are considerations it's an entertainment industry and so when you think about a timeline where you know maybe things are not going to be great in 2021 you're already able to start projecting that right from a um fan attendance, the pandemic, the competitiveness of the team, the fact that you're going to have more bad news because more guys that are popular are going to be walking. Um, and it makes me wonder when I think about, and I've admittedly, uh, right or wrong, I'm sort of pimping this idea of 2022 and this one year reset in part because um, maybe 
the fact that fans will be able to return to Wrigley at some point this year, um, we think that's pretty likely. Uh, maybe that generates enough excitement on its own to sort of carry from a biz ops perspective, from a fan sentiment perspective, from whatever, like whatever you're doing on baseball ops that's, that is uh, unsavory and, and fans don't like, eh, maybe the sort of like, we're back, baby, will carry you through a year. But I guarantee that shit ain't going to carry you in 2022. Like you're going to need a competitive, good team with some kind of some fun, exciting things that re-engage people in 2022. And again, I agree with you, Mooney. You don't structure your baseball decisions in thinking about these topics, but these conversations are being had by the Cubs. Like they're thinking about these things, uh, particularly when they just launched a new TV network that had a very rough year. They want to launch this new sort of uh, adjacent private equity sports betting uh, enterprise. Like they are thinking about these things. Let's be real. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I, I start to wonder when exactly that they, they. I mean, Jed talked about it, but when do they bring in that next big free agent? Uh, I, you know, I, I get the feeling that it, it may not be next winter. I think they're still trying to bide their time. And by that point, they'll still be looking at okay, where are we? What what type of talent do we have? How close are guys like where's Braylon Marquez? Where's Miguel Amaya? Where's Brennan Davis? Right. That's probably the three guys that you'd look at and say, OK, this is the the closest to the, the next wave. Right. These are the next guys that are going to be coming through Wrigley in the near ish future, probably further for Brennan Davis. But. Uh, and then and then you look at where did they extend Javi, right? All, all those different things. Uh, is Rizzo still around? That That's going to be the factor next next winter. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I hope fans, uh, I hope for fans sakes that they're they're back in there and, and, and swimming with the big fish and, and, and going after top targets. Uh, I think it's possible that they could be uh, that they could be competitive again. And when I say competitive, I think they'll be competitive in 2021 just because then El Central is not good. Uh, there's just no team that blows me away in any fashion. And, and they're all in cost cutting or rebuilding mode. Uh, so so it's possible that they contend in their division. But obviously, they're not going to be with the Dodgers or the Braves. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see where they go. Uh, one side note that I keep, I keep hearing this, uh, and I, and I just want to give fans a little bit to be happy about, but Miguel Amaya apparently has made real strides. I mean, the Cubs are saying that, and you'd expect them to say that, but people that saw, that have seen him of late outside, uh, you know, getting reports out of Puerto Rico and, and whatever the, else they've, they've been able to gather, People are very uh, optimistic and high on a Miguel Amaya uh, around baseball. It's not just the Cubs saying these things. I'm hearing good things about him. So, you know, uh, we, we could uh, maybe a month from now we'll be talking about a Wilson Contreras trade. I don't think Miguel Amaya is the one that, that just takes over for him if that's to happen. But but I do believe that there is some real optimism that Miguel Amaya is, is a pretty, pretty highly thought of backstop in as far as prospects go. Yeah, and we'll see too if like the if if it's like a forty game season in twenty twenty two after the lockout goes out for like you know seven <laughs> seven months. Jeez. Oh God! Uh, but Why I'd you imagine go that there, was man? rattling in the back of their brains too. And you know, I think 
we can give Jed and his group the benefit of the doubt because as sellers, you know, they kind of cleaned up in the early stages of uh, this rebuilding phase. Um, and there are DJ. What about Mayhew, DJ LeMayhew? But I mean, I know Jed <laughs> said when, you know, he was asked today of, you know, when can you do another Darvish deal? Uh, he had no idea except definitely not this winter, but you know what we've been talking about here for years now is the Cubs didn't need to sign Garrett Cole. It was a DJ LeMay who, who got what from the Yankees, like two years and 30 million, 20 million. Yeah. I mean, it was like 25, a reasonable going rate for um, a player with like zero off the field question marks, a guy who loves baseball, um, had a lot of like unique, well-rounded skills. I mean, they don't, they're gonna have a ton of money coming off the books one way or another here. Um, you know, this pitching infrastructure that we keep talking about, like they seem to have found something there that could, um, maintain competitiveness and maybe keep the cost down in certain areas. Like they don't have to do kind of like those most risky free agent deals, like just kind of, you know, goes back to what Theo said a couple of uh, exit press conferences ago of like Cubs just need to be right. They just need to get on a hot streak here and like, you know, execute on each uh, transaction. We don't have to make it, any more complicated than it than it really is and you know jed said today i thought it was telling that we can't run the same playbook we did in 2011 or 2012 that you know (laughs) so many other teams have copied it that it doesn't work anymore anyways and uh they're gonna have to be a little more creative and think about this in in a lot of different ways not just kind of like tanking or going all out to to win next year well, maybe we'll round out the discussion there because I think that you you bring the focus narrower to 2021. And like Sahadev said, the NL Central looks like poop right now. Uh, I think that's the first time I've said poop on this podcast. <laughs> just, a, just a sophisticated uh, analysis of the NL Central. It's uh, weighted poop plus collectively is uh, about, about 75. Uh, but, but no, but seriously, and I, I think that the inclusion of Zach Davies in the trade, uh, while I will suspect, and nothing today really dissuaded me from this, that that was partly the Padres probably saying, you know what, we're going to include Davies in this because we're not going to have a spot from the rotation. We don't want to pay him $8 million if we're bringing in Darvish, so you guys take him. You need an arm anyway, so let's do that. And the Cubs say, okay. And But I do think it is a reminder that guys like Davies – are available in free agency right now. This is sort of an interestingly unique period of time for free agency because of a lot of what we've been talking about, where if you can get it right, um, like Mooney said, uh, you're going to, you, there's some really good opportunities and it's not going to sound sexy to fans, but you know, if the Cubs can do what they've done on the bullpen side uh, with just find that right left fielder you know just sort of a buy low guy that like ah you know we can make this one tweak and you know boom he's a useful contributor on the cheap guy in the rotation same thing if you can do that particularly 
in a division like the NL Central in 2021, then you're looking at no disruption to whatever medium-term planning there is, and you're still going to be very competitive in the division this year. And I do think, financially, they're able to do that. It's a it's a good market for that. And so, I don't know, maybe I'm just selling myself on that idea because I'm, I'm confronted with reality, but like, I don't know, I don't love the top end of free agency this year anyway. I, I haven't going back to even before I knew that the Cubs weren't going to be spending. And so... I instead like the idea that maybe not quite what DJ LeMahieu was two years ago, um, but there are guys out there that it's sort of like, now, wait a minute, if they, you know, and you guys have written about some of them uh, recently, but um, there are opportunities. If you, if you uh, proceed wisely and you hit on some guys. Yeah. And that can work in two ways, right? It can make them competitive in the division and depending on who they sign. And this, this includes Davies as well. Where they are come July, I mean, that they, they could be if they're if these individuals are performing well enough, they could be used to kind of, you know, you don't have to get uh, rookie league guys every single time. You could get a triple A player. Is, uh, is Scott is Scott Feldman <laughs> yeah, yeah. available? I mean, you, like exactly what I mean. Like you in that trade, they got two guys that helped them immediately. Right. Almost immediately in that trade, those guys were able to impact the roster and Pedro Strope and Jake Arrieta. Not every trade works out that way. Uh, I'd be, you know, it'd be <laughs> if they could pull that off twice in in a, uh, in a in the span of a few years or five years, whatever it would be. What is it? Wow, that deal was seven years ago now, almost eight years ago. Jeez, uh, that's that's a really long time ago. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so I mean, but if you can pull that off even twice in a decade, that's one of the greatest trades I've ever had, right? If you can pull off something even close to that, that'd be great. But my point is that there's, there's I, I agree with you, Brett. They, they need to start looking. They, they have a little more financial flexibility now where they can be aggressive with shorter-term deals that can help for 2021, but not in the sense that this is going to put us over the top in the sense that this works either way. If we're competing in 2021, these guys help great if we're not competing in 2021 and these guys are tradable come july that works for them too they haven't uh it's not a situation that fans love to be in it's not fun to to watch as much but it can be uh something that works out for them uh when the plan is hey let's be back at the top uh let's be the dodgers by 2023 this can really help them get uh reach that point now that they have a little more flexibility i'd love to tell fans hey that this they have unlimited money to spend and jed hoyer has the go ahead to go out and get uh everybody for the next you know foreseeable future they can be big spenders every winter but that's not realistic and it's just not going to happen uh as much as fans would like that so I, I think there are ways to be uh targeted and and pointed in their in free agency and and, and find some players that could uh, help them in various ways all right folks so that's where we'll leave it uh for today i think um you know i gotta say this this ended up being a pretty positive discussion like i hope this was good for people who have had like two days to deal with this and digest this and be frustrated about this and that is not to say we were i don't think we were polishing anything today but i think we were um i don't know maybe i just feel better because i feel like i can reframe a lot of this stuff in a way that that settles me instead of just like I don't know, watching you Darvish gifts on a loop and being like, damn it. I loved watching him so much. 
Uh, and I still will with the Padres, you know, because he is, a, you know, like Sahadev said, he is a unicorn in this game. And I do think that um, you might as well watch him when there's, at least when there's highlights available, wh- whatever team he's on. And, um, you know, appreciated the time that he was with the Cubs. And so now we will look ahead uh, shorter term, rest of the offseason. We'll uh, keep in touch with you folks as additional transactions happen you know the next trade that makes you very angry we will be sure to hop on and talk about it or if the cubs make uh, a shocking maybe like two million dollar free agent signing huh huh <laughs> you know they do by the way the jonathan holder signing seven hundred fifty thousand is the yeah. biggest signing so far in the nl central amazing cubs half the listeners are like who yeah <laughs> yeah the cubs signed a reliever jonathan holder uh seven hundred fifty thousand dollars uh, an ARB level contract, so it's not even fully guaranteed, but that is the biggest deal so far in the NL Central. It's amazing. Uh, and if if that should happen again, we'll just jump on and pop. <laughs> we'll talk about the next gigantic uh, relief signing for the Cubs. So thank you, folks, for listening. Make sure you are uh, subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can rate and review, do all that fun stuff. That's Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Make sure you're reading their excellent work, uh, particularly this week. Just great stuff, even around the transaction and what comes next. All that, all that good stuff uh, over at the Athletic. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor. You can read my stuff at Bleacher Nation, and we will talk to you again uh, soon, folks. Thanks. Take care. Be safe. Happy New Year, and other salutations. Goodbye.